0: Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another edition of the Big Match Preview. We're just a few days out from Christmas. I would wish you a Merry Christmas, but we'll do that, uh, of course, on Christmas Eve when we're back live to react to whatever happens up at Anfield on Saturday night. Tomorrow night, big old game this one, and I can't wait to dive into the preview. The closer the game gets, the more nervous I feel, the more stressed I am about it. But what I will say is that i'm glad this fixture is taking place in december rather than in april or may that's 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 what i'll throw out there for now that's the kind of silver lining that i'm seeing from my position anyway currently hope you're all good hope you're all well thank you for bearing with me those of you in the live chat good to see so many of you with us as always hope your preparations for christmas are going well hope uh, you're enjoying a bit of downtime if you've got some time off uh, or whatever um the football schedule never stops, does it? So there isn't going to be too much downtime for me, but I am trying uh, at least for the next few days. Well, yesterday, today, not tomorrow, uh, but then Sunday to try and work from home mostly, uh, which means I don't have to do that commute. I can just chill um, in between work. I can spend time with the kids, relax, all the rest of it. So um, yeah, not nice time of the year, um, stressful time of the year, but a, a nice time of the year. All the same. Uh, lots of hellos uh, to throw out there. Let's say hello to Nav. We've got the Canterbury Guna. Temi is with us. Yontura uh, is with us as well. We've got Junior. Uh, we've got Hacker. We've got Abdullah. We've got David. Uh, we've got Derek. We've got the legend, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Clive Palmer as well. Uh, I hope you're good, my friend. He says, huge game. Just can't wait for it. I uh, hope you're well. I'm good, mate. Hope you're good, too, and uh, and looking forward uh, to this one. Um. Best wishes to those that are making the trip up to Anfield. I know it is a slog of a drive. Um, I did it last season completely by myself. I was covering the game for, for BBC London and um, I, I drove up there fine. Not a problem. Uh, stopped off on the way. It was quite chilled. It was quite cool. Had lots of time. Um, you know, had my music on, had my podcasts on and it was great. The drive back was awful by myself, in the dark. And I think that was partly because I was really disappointed with the result. Now, ordinarily, you go to Anfield, you come away with a point, I think you should be quite satisfied. And I certainly would have taken a point that day before the game actually panned out the way it did. But when you go two goals to the good, and then you're pegged back, there is an element of frustration there, isn't there? There has to be. Um, And that kind of shows you how well Arsenal were doing at the time and how I'm not going to say confident, but how much we felt that we all had what it takes to go on and, and win the title um, and, uh, you know, and essentially pit Manchester City to the prize. It wasn't that game that we unraveled in, that we threw it away. It, you know, there were games that followed that where the results weren't good enough, where, again, we took leads um, against lesser sides than Liverpool, but just couldn't hold on to them. And that was, of course, a big part of where it kind of started to derail at that point in the season. Tomorrow, I'm not going up there. Tomorrow, I won't be at Anfield. I'm doing the TV commentary again um, for Arsenal, which I'm really, really looking forward to. It's only my second one for the first team. I did the Villa game last time out, and obviously the result wasn't what I wanted. And I was just desperate to have a couple of highlights of Arsenal goals. Um, Got another try at it tomorrow, but maybe if the result isn't what we want it to be, maybe it's time for me to... To knock that on the head and stop doing it. I don't know. Um, I mean, to be fair, could they have given me two harder fixtures in the the sort of current climate, Villa away, Liverpool away? Probably not. Maybe that's why nobody else wanted to do them. I don't know. Anyway, um, on this edition of the podcast, we're going to quickly touch on the Super League thing because Arsenal did put out a statement on that uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to react to Mikel Arteta's press conference. We're going to bring you a statistical preview of this one. I'm going to share with you guys the team that I'd like to see. Mikel Arteta select. I also want to talk about some concerns I have, though, um, in terms of the the matchups that will be, or that I expect to see up at Anfield tomorrow. There's one position in particular that really, really does concern me. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about the midfield balance as well and kind of compare it to what I think we're going to see from Liverpool. Um, and I'll share with you guys at the end of the program, my prediction. And of course, I want to hear from you guys throughout in the live chat box. So please do get involved. Um, let's start off, though, by just quickly covering the uh, the Super League statement that Arsenal put out earlier today. Um, There's a club statement that went out. You know, what? I'll just share the screen uh, with you guys for a second. Bear with me. Here we go. It's this one. Here we go. Club statement. So, if I just show you guys uh, what Arsenal have put out. Now, I have to say, so I went on. Um, I went on BBC Scotland yesterday. I was asked to come on and talk about the Super League thing. The fact that you know this is kind of reemerged as a conversation and as a discussion, and that legally there is nothing to stop those teams now going and making that breakaway competition that they're obviously so desperate to make. I kind of joked that if they're talking about 14 fixtures at this moment in time, it's probably going to be 14 El Clásicos because there doesn't seem to be too much support from elsewhere. Uh, there's lots of reports of clubs that may be considering it, that are thinking about it, but there isn't really that strong support outside of Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus, who were in um, the conversations in the past. But that's all gone a little bit quiet because of things that have changed Behind the scenes uh, in Turin as well, so maybe they're not even a hundred percent in on it. So, am I concerned that this is going to happen now? No, I'm not. Uh, I said that on yesterday's pod. We discussed it in a little bit more detail. I explained why I feel that the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona are pushing for this, but why I also don't think that at this moment in time it's something to be majorly worried about. One of the things I said on on sort of BBC Scotland yesterday was that actually I was quite surprised. That up until that point, and obviously this was last night, around about 9, 9 9.30pm, Arsenal hadn't come out with a statement to essentially reiterate the fact that their stance on this is we're not doing it and we're going to continue to play in UEFA competitions and all the rest of it. Now, I realise that statements, when they're released by a club, they've got to go through a number of people, right? There has to be the right people there to A, structure it, to then sign it off, to, you know review it before, of course, it gets pushed out into the public domain. So, you know, okay, it didn't happen yesterday. It happened this morning. No problem whatsoever. But I was sitting there thinking, come on, Arsenal. Like, United have done it. City had done it. um, Chelsea had done it. Tottenham had done it. And the reason I wanted Arsenal to do it was because if you think back to when the first discussions came up around the Super League, or, or at least when we got wind of it and all the protests took place and all, all of that stuff, that felt like a low point in terms of the relationship between KSE and the Arsenal fans. And them sort of backing out of it was the start of, I think, better dialogue, better conversations um, and, and a far better relationship that, to be fair to them, they've Done well to maintain because they said they were going to spend or or at least make sure that we were competitive. They did that. They said they were going to back Nicol Arteta. They've done that. They said that they were going to be very ambitious. And it looks like they are um, very ambitious at this moment in time. So, to be fair to them, they followed it up with all the right things. But I just thought, sort of reading all the things that were going around yesterday, this was a massive opportunity for a huge PR win for Arsenal. Come out quickly, condemn the Super League. Reiterate your stance on it, um, which we assumed hadn't changed. And there's your PR win. Now, Arsenal have done it good. I'm glad they have. Um, Could they have done it a bit earlier? In an ideal world, yeah. But, you know, again, I I realise the way these things work. And if there weren't the right people available at that time and at that point, then maybe, you know, it was impossible to do it, you know, at that moment in time. This is what they say. They say Arsenal Football Club notes the judgment by the European Court of Justice on Thursday, the 21st of December, 2023, and our position in relation to the European Super League has not changed. We will continue to play in UEFA competitions and continue to work with fellow European clubs and the European Club Association. No hyperbole, no nonsense, straight to the point, two very short paragraphs just reiterating their stance. That's all it needed to be. And, and, and that's why I, I sit there and I think, Maybe you could have done it yesterday just to stop that chat overnight about, oh, come on, Arsenal, when are you going to do it? And and I was one of those people that wasn't angry about it. Let's be clear on that. I wasn't sitting there going, this is a disgrace, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, why haven't we done it? I wasn't concerned by it, but I was curious as to why it maybe took longer than it did some of the other clubs. But hey, it's out there now. And that's the good thing. So uh, I think the threat of the Super League, I think it's still a threat in some way, shape or form. But again, I'll reiterate the point I made yesterday. To me, it doesn't look like anything that is going to have a real impact on us is imminent. Therefore, I think we can kind of park this conversation and discussion now and focus on the game in hand, which is obviously the most important thing at this minute. Let's um, dive into what Mikel Arteta had to say in his press conference earlier today. He faced the media, uh, sat down at around about 9 a.m., Uh, this morning to uh, talk about the game that we've got coming up. He, He spoke, obviously, about the European Super League. There were lots of questions around that. He said, look, we're very clear. Things are exactly the same. We remain in the same position. We love playing in the Champions League and will continue to do so. Um, you can read the full transcript, of course, over on arsenal.com. So I'm not going to read through every answer to every question because I realize that I take a lot of time. And I also understand that a lot of you would have either listened to the press conference, watched it, or at least read the transcript yourself. But So I'll pick, pick out some of the key bits. On the latest team news, Thomas Partey is still finalizing his rehab. He still hasn't trained with the team yet. Moel Nenny will hopefully join us this afternoon to see how he feels. Uh, for the rest, no news, Jorginho is still a doubt. And that's important, the Jorginho point, because when I said I wanted to talk about the midfield balance and that I wanted to talk about some of the key battles and duels that I expect to see um, up at Anfield tomorrow night, there is a part of me that thinks that we might have been better off with Jorginho and Rice in the team so that that frees up Declan a little bit to go sort of slightly left and support Zinchenko, who I think is probably the weak link for Arsenal tomorrow. Just looking at the game kind of, you know, from the outside and and without obviously seeing how it's going to pan out. Like that's the first thing my mind goes to, you know, what are we can do at left back. Mo Salah is going to be a problem for us et cetera, et cetera. So there was a part of me that was thinking maybe the right thing to do is to bring Jorginho into the side. However, if Jorginho is a doubt and he's touch and go, then that kind of tells me that he's probably not fit enough to start the game and you cannot go to Anfield with passengers. You just can't do it. You can't turn up to a place like that with people that are at less than, you know, 95 to 100%. You just can't do it you can't do it. You will get found out. And so I think that kind of rules that out for me. Um, He talked a lot about the atmosphere, uh, the fact that it's going to be a special atmosphere, always is up at Anfield for games like this, despite what Jurgen Klopp's been saying uh, over the last few days, which um, I think I I touched on this again on yesterday's pod, but I think for me, it's it's a compliment to Arsenal. It's a compliment to Arsenal. The fact that he feels the need to kind of get the crowd going and, and feels the need to kind of make that point in order to reduce the chances of him experiencing an atmosphere like he has in the last couple of games, based on what he said, you know, that that tells you that he knows that they need that little bit extra to play against a side like Arsenal. And that if they have that little bit extra, then that, of course, significantly increases their chances of getting a result. Um, Mikel Arteta was asked about the chance to be top of the table at Christmas. He said, It's always great to be in the highest position in the league, especially in this league. We're going to try and maintain that. Um, You know, he says we're going to have to play really well, compete extraordinarily well and be very intelligent to manage the moments of the game as well. He didn't want to be drawn on Jurgen Klopp's as it was put rallying call to the Liverpool fans. He said, that's a question for him. He was also asked if he was surprised by those comments. Again, he said, I don't know. I have enough to think about with my team. Again, deflecting uh, from that one. Um, He was asked about the fact that he's just uh, recently celebrated four years in the job. And if he'd um, have taken where we are now, he says, look, I'm sure I would, but we still haven't won enough important things and we want to be better and we want to be more successful. There are a lot of things that we've achieved together in those four years, but thanks to the people that have been on the journey with us together and the ones that were behind us as well. Asked about uh, Anfield memories, um, asked about whether he prefers playing or managing at Anfield, he says, I don't know, to be fair. I always say that there's nothing like playing, um, but there's something about managing when you feel that cohesion between the team, the chemistry between the players and the team producing what was in your brain. I don't think it gets much better than that. I think it's fair to say that Mikel Arteta is very, very much um, someone who was born to be a manager. Like He was a good player, um, but I think he could hit much higher heights as a manager i really really do um i really really do because i think for me he's someone that clearly loves the details of the game did he have the best ability i mean he was a good footballer as i say i think technically he was very secure very sound but i think he lacked a bit in terms of some of the physical stuff i don't think he was mobile enough at times when he was playing in that kind of defensive midfield role for us there's an argument that he shouldn't have been playing there, that that wasn't his best position. And when he came to Arsenal, he changed, didn't he, in terms of what his game was about? And, um, you know, yeah, I'm sure that plays a part. But when I looked at Michel Arteta, the player, I th- always thought good player, but kind of that's it. When I look at Mikel Arteta as the manager and I listen to him speak and I think about all his kind of tactical tweaks and and, and sort of the the way that he... Reads, understands the game. You know, when I listen to all the kind of testimonies of players that have been coached by him, I do get the feeling that Mikel Arteta has a real big chance of going further as a manager than he did um, as a player. I think you could argue that if he was to manage Arsenal to any major trophy, he'd already have gone further uh, as a manager because, you know, yeah, okay, you know, he's won the FA Cup, but I'm talking, when I say major trophy, I'm talking Champions League, I'm talking Premier League. Um, Those other trophies obviously count as major trophies in the grand scheme of things. But I I mean, if you can win one of the big two, then for me, you've already surpassed what you achieved as a player with the football club. And if you look at the other clubs he played for, the standard wasn't the same. And so, you know, Arsenal should be the benchmark if we're making that comparison between Arteta, the manager, and Arteta, the player, in my personal opinion. Let's uh, cross over and do our statistical uh, preview on this one. We're going to head over to premierleague.com for some of the latest stats and facts going into this one. Um, Just a quick heads up, this game is live on Sky Sports. For those of you that are in the UK, uh, you can also listen to it on BBC Radio 5 Live. You can also listen to full radio commentary um, with Dan Roebuck on the Arsenal app and online during the game. That's part of the breakdown show that the club do. Uh, I'll be doing the TV commentary for the highlights and all the rest of it, um, which will be released on the Arsenal channels, of course, uh, after the game as well. Right, statistically, let's have a look at our Premier League record against Liverpool. Head-to-head, we have met 62 times in the history of this competition. Liverpool have 25 wins uh we have 17 wins so liverpool the superior side in this uh there have been 20 draws between the two sides um and and i think this is really really interesting actually because i just i, I look at this and i think we've won the 97 98 double we won the league in 2001 2002 um I, you know again a double and we won the league unbeaten In the 2003-2004 season, Liverpool have won the league once, yet they have a a superior record to us when it comes to the head-to-head in the Premier League. And a lot of that would have been made up over the last few years. A lot of that. So you look at the total wins, right? They're what, seven wins ahead, eight wins ahead of us, I beg your pardon. You know, I'd be interested to know what that record was looking like before, I don't know, six, seven years ago, sort of in the Jurgen Klopp days, because I would argue that it probably doesn't look anywhere near the same. And and obviously they've been able to wrestle that control of their head-to-head record uh, over to their side in the the course of the last few years. So we've got some work to do to start putting that right. Hopefully we can start to do that uh, tomorrow. If you look at the recent meetings between the two clubs, so the last five meetings we got here, there was that 2-2 draw. Uh, at Anfield on Sunday, the 9th of April. I said it at the start of the show. I prefer um, that this fixture has been played in December rather than April because I think it's got the potential um, to be something that we can recover from should it go wrong. Go back to the 9th of October 2022. So, uh, you know, not far from the beginning of last season, that 3-2 win, that was a fascinating game. And again, it was one of those where you looked at it and you went, you know, Arsenal could be serious this season, albeit Liverpool weren't at their best last time around. Go back to Wednesday, 16th of March, 2022, and they beat us 2-0 at the Emirates Stadium. And I remember coming away from that game thinking we're quite a way off these. Uh, Saturday, 20th of November, 2021, we were battered by four goals to nil at Anfield. And if you go back to Saturday, the 3rd of April, 2021, we were beaten 3-0 at Emirates Stadium. So if you look at that, Liverpool Um, have, of course, won three of the last five, one win for Arsenal and one draw in there. So again, that backs up my point that actually the head-to-head record has been, um, uh, has has changed quite dramatically in terms of the balance of it over the course of recent seasons. If we look at the form guide uh, for the Gunners, of course, four wins from their last five, just that one defeat away at Aston Villa. No defeats for Liverpool in their last five, but they have had two draws. A draw away at Manchester City, which is a very, very good result, but a draw at home to Manchester United that I think in years gone by would have been deemed as an okay result, but feels like a bad result because Liverpool just seem to be miles and miles ahead of United at this moment in time. They were frustrated that day. Um, You know, they created a load of Half chances, I want to say. There was a few sort of opportunities that you'd class as maybe clear-cut, but nowhere near enough. I think United did a really good job of frustrating them. I wonder how Mikel is going to approach this, because what we've seen from Mikel, I think, this season is Arsenal, um, when they played Manchester City in both the Community Shield, but also in the league, adopt a slightly different approach. Now, we always talk about control, dominance. Those are the things that Mikel Arteta is big on. That's what he wants to see from his team, generally speaking. But actually, in those games against Manchester City, we saw a, a slightly different approach, almost a, a realisation and acceptance of the fact that against this opposition, you're not going to be able to have the ball all of the time. But you still need to have it enough to have enough control of the game to be able to kind of weather storms and carry and pose a threat yourself. So if you go back to the the game against Manchester City at the Emirates earlier this season, yeah, you know, you could argue that we were slightly fortunate with the goal that, that ultimately decided it. We needed a bit of luck, right? We haven't had any of that against the big boys in recent years, but the possession stats were quite equal. And so it was, it wasn't Arsenal, you know, dominating. It wasn't Man City dominating. It was both sides doing their bit, having their fair share. And I think, you know, you you go to play against a side like Manchester City, you sit back, you try and soak it up, you don't have much of the ball, you're out of control in, in that sense and there will come a point where their quality will break you down. If you have enough of the ball yourself because it's much less tiring to have the ball than it is to be chasing shadows as well, then when you do need to dig in, you're able to do that but you also carry, as I say, enough of a threat yourself and I think that's what I, I really enjoyed about that particular performance. So I want to see Arsenal Do something similar. I don't want to see Arsenal go there and sit back behind the ball and camp out um, and invite pressure. Equally, I don't want to see Arsenal be too gung-ho because I think Arsenal need to be wary and pay respect to Liverpool with regards to what they're capable of. Last season, we went there. We started brilliantly. We went two goals up. But, you know, it was a testament to Liverpool and how good they can be that we couldn't hold on to that. You know, I remember Aaron Ramsdale making a a number of really good saves that day as well. So you need to pay them respect, but you also need to be confident enough to play your game to a point as well. It's not going to be the same approach that we saw against Brighton. It's not going to be as aggressive as it was against Brighton. I don't think it should be anyway. I think you need to find that middle ground. And that's one of the things that I thought Mikel Arteta struggled to find at points last season. Where I would argue that we're better now is that we seem to find that balance a little bit more. But it's not just about what Mikel Arteta tells the players before they go out on the field of play. It's about the players reading the game themselves and understanding the game state and, you know, making the right decisions in accordance with that at the time. And I think we've got better in that sense and I think we look more mature generally. Yeah, we lost at Villa the other week, but I don't think we deserve to lose that game. I don't think Villa created... Anywhere near enough, really, to say that they were deserved winners. I think that we created the better chances. We had the majority of the ball. We looked the most threatening. It just didn't really work for us in the final third. So, yeah, that's a blip on our form guide when you look at that record. But is it something that concerns me? Not really, to be honest with you. If we go and play the way we played at Villa, at Anfield, I think we've got a good chance of coming away with all three points. That's how much I rated that performance. Season so far, of course, this is second versus first. Uh, Liverpool have won 11, Arsenal have won 12. They've had five draws. We've had three. They've lost just the once. We've lost twice. Average goals scored per match. We're quite close on this. Liverpool 2.12 per game. Arsenal 2.06. Average goals conceded per match we're exactly the same. I think I haven't checked this, but I think off the top of my head our defensive records in terms of the number of goals conceded are the same. Again, not much to separate us on clean sheets, 6 and 7 respectively. Chances created per match, I always say to you guys, I'm not really that interested in this stat because I don't know how the Premier League work this out, um, you know, what constitutes a chance. So I'm not going to um read into that too much. But look, this is interesting and You know, you look at the bottom here, forget the biggest wins, worst defeats. Theirs was a 2 1 defeat at Spurs where they were down to what? Was it nine men or something? And, you know, obviously they were robbed as well because of probably the worst VAR decision we've ever seen. And then you look at Arsenal's worst defeat, which is obviously joint with the Villa one. Again, it was a 1 0 defeat. And again, it was one where the worst, you know, one of the worst VAR decisions you'll ever see took place as well. So, Nobody's beaten any of these two teams convincingly, which makes this a really, really fascinating game. If you look at the top player stats, you look at goals in the Premier League. Uh, Mohamed Salah has got 11. Eddie Nketiah and Bukayo Saka are joined second on five. but That's quite some distance, isn't it, between Mo Salah and our boys. Now, what I would say is that Arsenal do spread goals out better across the team, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, it's it's the way that this team has functioned for a little while now. Nobody's surprised by that. But it just kind of reiterates the fact that if Mo Salah's got more than double the goals of our top scorers, then you've got to be wary of him. I don't think anybody would have taken his threat lightly, but it's just a reminder of that. In terms of assists, he's got seven as well. But Saka second on six. Darwin Nunez is on five across these two teams. So he's third. Tackles, three Arsenal players make up the top three across these two sides. Declan Rice, Bukayo Saka and Oleksandr Zinchenko. The Zinchenko one surprises me. It really, really does. Um, Right. We're going to take a really, really short pause. When I come back, I'm going to share with you guys the lineup that I would like to see Mikel Arteta select for the trip to Anfield. Is that what he's going to go with? I don't know, but I'm going to show you what I would go with if I were in the dugout. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Right. So how would Harry Simeu, future manager of Arsenal Football Club Sunday, hopefully, uh, set us up going to Anfield? Well, I think because of the injury problems that we've got. And because of the the sh- lack of cover that we've got in certain areas and lack of options, I think that the team pretty much picks itself actually um, this weekend. So I didn't have to spend too long thinking about this, but there are a couple of areas that I want to highlight. So let me show you now, this is what I'd go with. So I'd go with Raya in goal. Um, he's the number one at the moment. And I don't think you can keep chopping and changing number ones, you know, at this moment in time, just, just because of the way this whole situation has panned out. So Raya, continues in goal. I said that kind of reluctantly. Um, The back four for me would be White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. My midfield would be Rice, Odegaard and Havertz with Martinelli, Saka and Jesus in attack. So that's my starting 11 to face Liverpool. Just a couple of areas I want to highlight. The goalkeeper. David Raya does not fill me with confidence. He he, he just doesn't. He, He just doesn't. I'm trying and, you know, I thought that particularly in the Brighton game where I, I really kind of focused on him, I felt like I was doing a bit of a player cam um, on him. I thought his distribution of the ball was a lot better than it has been in terms of, you know, some of the passes he was picking out in midfield. I think that he done that really well. I think some of his longer passes um, were really effective as well. And I thought, you know, in that sense, he, he had a good game. But in terms of some of the basics of goalkeeping, you know, dropping crosses, things like that, he doesn't convince me. He just doesn't. And that worries me going to a place like Anfield. And Mikel Arteta will be desperate for him to have a good game because you know that if he doesn't, the questions around the goalkeeping position will come up again. Look, I don't feel any safer with Ryan in goal than I do with Ramsdale. I think I can understand why Mikel has gone the way he has on this. But me personally, I don't feel safer with Raya in goal than I do with Ramsdale. I feel shaky with both of them Um, because of largely why, you know, largely because of the way they're asked to play um, and the things that they're expected to do by the manager. But if you were going to make that change back to Aaron Ramsdale, you're not going to do it up at Anfield, are you? Um, It's not the time to throw someone in cold. So Raya will continue in goal for me. My big, big, big concern for Arsenal going into this weekend is the left back position. We've just highlighted Mo Salah, 11 Premier League goals, seven assists so far. He is somebody who is incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. He's an elite footballer. And I worry that that battle between him and Zinchenko is going to be a bit of a massacre. I think that Gabriel is obviously going to have to come across and help Zinchenko out. I think that Rice and Havertz are going to have to be aware of that space as well. Martinelli's going to have to come back and help as well. But then you want to kind of use Martinelli to stay up the pitch and maybe trip, uh, pin Trent Alexander-Arnold back, don't you? So I think there are a lot of things um, that you need to consider and factor in here. What I will say is this, I am certain that had Takahiro Tomiyasu or Jurian Timber been fit for this game, one of those two will be playing at left-back. We saw Mikel Arteta do it in the home fixture, for God's sakes. So that tells you, last season, that tells you what he thinks about the the risk that Mo Salah um, poses to us, and, and obviously Zinchenko's defensive credentials, if you like. When we went to Anfield last time out, if my memory serves me correctly, I don't think Tommy Asi was available, was he? Um, I'd have to go back and check that, but you know, I think in the home game, which was way earlier in the season in October, we ended up going with Tommy Asu. So I find it very hard to believe that Mikel Arteta would have gone to Anfield and, and then gone for an even more um sort of attack-minded option unless it was enforced upon him. So I, I'd need to go back and check that out. And I probably should have checked that out, but it's something that just came back into my head at this moment in time. But yeah, um, that is A concern. That's a problem area for me. I really, really do worry about it. On the ball, Zinchenko's great. He's fine. I haven't got any issues with Zinchenko in possession. Defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. I remember, I think it was Liverpool's second goal, wasn't it? Where he sort of allowed Trent Alexander Arnold to go past him, and it was just all done way too easily. Um, You know, and a defender cannot be allowing people to get through that easily and and without making enough of a, a strong challenge. He dived in. He didn't hold the player up. He dived in. He let him go through. And when he went through, the the challenge from Zinchenko, in my opinion, was just too weak. And maybe I've got a bit of PTSD from that. He will help us to have possession. He will help us to control the game in the moments that we can. As I've mentioned, that will be something that we're looking to do at various points in the game. But yeah, I worry about that. The other bit is the midfield balance. Now, what I would say is maybe this is kind of dependent on what Liverpool go with in the middle of the park. I think when Endo plays, I think they have someone who is a little bit more defensive-minded. We have Rice for that, obviously. Um, and then they play with two more adventurous players. And I know that Kai Havertz contributes quite a bit defensively. But again, my my feelings on the midfield balance are dependent on what I see from the other side. If they, for example, and I don't know if he's, he's back fit and available yet, but if Alexis McAllister, for example, or someone of that ilk was to play in the sixth position for them, then all of a sudden you look at it and you go, well, they're just as attack-minded as us. And then it just becomes a bit of a ding-dong and a bit of a battle and, you know, may the best team win. I think Havertz's defensive contribution is maybe overlooked by some at times, but it's just that, again, it's about adjusting that mindset, isn't it? You know, Kai Havertz is an attacker in people's eyes. Um, yes, he's come to Arsenal and he's been playing as a midfielder, but that's by default where your brain goes, I think, when you look at that midfield. So that was the only other thing that really um, jumped out to me. Okay, uh, we are going to take another really, really short pause. Then we're going to do a prediction and we are going to take your thoughts and questions from the live chat. So start getting them into the chat box Um yeah, you've got uh, a couple of minutes until we get there. We'll be back in just a second. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Okay, it's prediction time. Liverpool versus Arsenal. 5.30pm kickoff. Tomorrow night, Saturday, the 23rd of December. Under the lights. How do I see this one going? Oh, the problem is, is that when we're doing predictions, I want to get them right because they're predictions. They're not what I want to happen necessarily. They're what I think is going to happen. And I've got quite a good record, actually, over the last few weeks. I think over the last few weeks, out of my last five, someone emailed me about this. I think I got three perfect scores out of my last five, which is pretty good. My heart says Arsenal are going to go to Anfield and break that miserable run that we have on that ground in terms of not winning. But my head says that it's going to be a really, really tough game. Really, really tough game. I kind of want to go for a draw because I don't want to lean over to that side of a defeat. But my head says that Liverpool win this. And that's not because Liverpool are a superior team to us. It's not anything to do with that. It's because we're going away to Anfield. They're going to be fired up. We will be fired up as well. But are we at the stage where we're good enough yet to deal with the atmosphere and everything else that comes with a trip to Anfield, but also play them off the park at the same time. The thing that I push back on in my own head is, well, do we actually need to play them off the park? Because this is the Liverpool side that you would argue is not as good as ones of recent years. It's still developing. It's Liverpool 2.0 under Jurgen Klopp. That's how some Liverpool fans have described it. Just think it's a big opportunity for Arsenal to make a real statement. Now, if we go and win at Anfield, it doesn't mean we're going to be champions. Way too long to go. But it would be a big statement, wouldn't it? And it would show people and and I think psychologically it would give us a boost in that, yeah, you know, we went there last season and we done well. You know, we left with a point, which was far better than we'd achieved for a long, long time before that. But if we could go there and take all three points, then that is a really, really big statement. It really is. But for some reason, I've got a bad feeling about this game. And for some reason, I think that Liverpool are gonna nick it. I think it's gonna be tight. But my my head prediction, which is the one that obviously I'm trying to get close to what I think is going to happen rather than what I want to see happen, is Liverpool one Arsenal nil now I know people are going to not like that, but that that's what that's what I'm thinking at this moment in time and man, I wish and hope um I hope that I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll do a forfeit that you lot can decide because I'll be so happy that we got the three points. I won't give a shit, basically. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm going for in terms of my prediction. If I were betting on this, if I were, I would never bet on Arsenal to lose, by the way. But if I were asked to to go with a prediction that I thought was most likely, you know, and, and I had to be right rather than just predicting something that my heart wants to see, that's what I would go with. That's what I would go with. Graham says, I think you're going for 1-1, one, one, Harry. Caught you off guard there, haven't I? <laughs> um, what else have we got? Uh, Damien's gone Liverpool nil. Arsenal 2. Martinelli and a Saka penalty. Uh, Gosnell Richards has gone Arsenal 2, Liverpool 1. Get your questions in, by the way. I'll come to those in just a second. Damien Kelly says, I'm a coward. He's going to switch over. I'm sorry, man. I'm supposed to predict what I think is going to happen, not what I want to happen. Um, Dia Guine says, Liverpool lost Mane, Firmino, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Henderson. And we are still not confident that we're going to win there. I don't think you can ever take it for granted that you're going to go and win at Anfield. I never used to take it for granted when they were crap. I never used to take it for granted when we were playing against Vladimir Smica and um, Yonar those days with Sammy Hoopier and, and, and so at the back, where Liverpool were a decent side on their day, but they weren't title contenders or Champions League winners. You know, okay, some of those players were in Champions League winning squads, but you, you know what I mean? Like that they weren't the Liverpool of the last four or five years. And I still never took it for granted that we'd go and win at Anfield every time I thought we could, but yeah. Um, Let's see uh, what else we've got. Graham says, no, Harry, we are not losing this. We just can't. I say 2-1 to the Arsenal. Derek says, what if Arteta puts Havertz in defence and Zinni in midfield? <laughs> uh, Ray Gunner says, uh, you just messed up your prediction record. I hope I have. I hope I bloody have. I hope I have. Um, Delisu says, is this your way of tempering expectations, Harry? Um... No, because as I've just said, I don't think you can ever take it for granted that you should go to Anfield and win. So it doesn't matter if I was really confident, if we'd have lost the game, if, if I'm super confident and we still lose the game, it's not going to lead to me going on a meltdown or a rant or or anything like that, unless the nature of the capitulation was really bad. I just, I just don't think that one-off results at places like this are enough to go mad about especially not in December. So, no, I'm not trying to manage expectations. I'm just looking at it for what I think it's going to be. And maybe this is partly due to the fact that I've spent a lot of the morning doing my commentary preparation for this one. And I've been going through stats and I've been making notes and I've been uh, really kind of digging into some of the the livable players. I haven't got around to the Arsenal side of it yet. I, you know, the Arsenal stuff I know far, far better. So what I always do is I spend... Uh, the bulk of my time on the opposition. And then um, I just brush up from the last week on the Arsenal stuff and and add to that and, and build out on that stuff. So yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. And maybe I've chosen the wrong time to record this. I don't know. Uh, right. I'm going to take some of your questions before we uh, disappear. Uh, right. Let's take this one from Jid who says, don't you think with the way that Saka and Martinelli play and like to Either dally a bit too much on the ball or release it too late. Trent and Simikas will fancy their chances. Would you make any changes? I just think that Saka and Martinelli are such a threat all the time. that I wouldn't change it. Um, I think that Trossard has got ability and quality, obviously. But I think he's been a bit hot or cold lately. And I think that he is someone that I almost prefer to see come off the bench. I think the running power of Saka and Martinelli will pin... Liverpool back to a degree. I still think they'll be brave. I still think Trent Alexander-Arnold, for for example, in particular, is someone that he needs to get forward because that's where his strength is. He doesn't want to be sitting on the edge of his box for 90-odd minutes. I think with Timikas, if he's the one that plays, I think Saka will be licking his lips. I really do. I'm, I'm Greek, right? So I've seen loads of Timikas before he came to Liverpool for the Greek national team. He's done okay at Liverpool, but He's not at the level of Robertson. He doesn't have that experience. He doesn't have that and now. So I don't think, and I think that he's someone that Saka could, could cause a, a torrid time. So I'm talking about our left back position and how that might be a problem. Well, I think that Liverpool will probably be feeling quite similar about theirs. If he's the one that plays the says four years ago, when Arteta started at Arsenal, lots of people were saying, be patient, look at Liverpool. Now, four years later, we haven't done well in Europe. Do you think we'll win big in the next four years? I think we're good enough to. I really do. I think this Arsenal team is good enough to win the Champions League. I do. I'm not saying we're going to win it. It's a cup competition. Lots of things can happen. You know, luck of the draw. You can have a, a bad referee one night. You can have a bad performance that against an opposition of the highest level is something that's too difficult to recover from, for example, in the second leg or whatever. But I do think, I do look at this Arsenal side and think, Why can't we go all the way in the Champions League? That's not to say we will, but why can't we? The team is good enough. If you are one of the, the best in the Premier League, then you have to fancy your chances against the rest of the sides on the continent. My biggest fear in the Champions League is Manchester City, which kind of tells you a lot about how confident I am in Arsenal's ability. Obviously, I fear Real Madrid and I fear Bayern Munich as well, sides that I think are more than capable of causing us problems. But yeah, you know, I think we can, I think we can do it. Um, Afsar says, do you think Liverpool's small size pitch always gives them an advantage at home? Is it smaller um, than a lot of pitches? I don't know. It's difficult though, isn't it? When you've got like an old ground, old stadium like that, what can you do? You, you can't move the stands to make the pitch bigger. So um, no, I'm not worried about the pitch size. That's not something that I've even, I've even thought about, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, uh, let's go through uh, some more comments. Graham says, I don't agree with you about one-off results in December, Harry. This is a one-off that will shake the football world if we win. Yeah, it's one that you can take loads of positives from if it goes your way, i.e. it's a statement, like I mentioned earlier, where, you know, last year we went there, we were in the driving seat, we should have won it, we ended up getting a draw. Coming away from it, I was like massively downbeat, but if you'd have told, if, if it was before the game and we'd, and you said to me, we were going to get a draw at Anfield, I'd have absolutely taken that. I think you can take the positives, but I think when it's only negatives, i.e. you lose the game, I think you have to, you have to be able to shake it off. And the fact that it's in December makes it easier to shake it off than if it happens in April, like last year, I think that was kind of, kind of my point there. Um, right. I think I'm going to leave it there. I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, we will uh, reconvene, of course, um, on uh, Sunday morning, Christmas Eve, to uh, look back on the game. If there's any big news, um, we'll, uh, we'll jump on tomorrow morning um, and bring you uh, an update on that. You know, we're always going to try and be reactionary wherever we can. We're always going to try and keep our finger on the pulse wherever we can. Um But if nothing major happens, I don't suspect that too much will between now and a big game like this, uh, then I will see you on Sunday morning where we'll look back on it in detail. We'll break it down and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be talking about an Arsenal victory, an Arsenal statement victory. What a Christmas present that would be, wouldn't it? I'm not going to wish you all a Merry Christmas because I'm going to speak to you on Sunday. Um, Take care of yourselves, though. Uh, Enjoy this period. Um, Make the most of it. Have fun with your families, your friends. Um, and so on, and so forth. And I will see you all soon. Take care of yourselves. All the best. Goodbye.